Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and something I want to begin doing on Sunday nights for, I don't know for sure how long, but I do want to take the time to really just cover uh, and do a refresher, I guess you could say, on just some basics for us as Christians. We don't want to neglect these things, we don't want to assume everyone knows these things, and even if you already know these things, there's nothing wrong with a good reminder of them because uh, we all, uh, like what it says in Hebrews, uh, we ought to take the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. If we do not, if we're not diligent to talk about certain things in Christianity, we will forget those things. They will not be a priority. People will look at them as secondary issues, and that's just not the case. We don't want that happening. And so I think it's really important that we do this. And I wanted to start off tonight. Uh, the, the series talking about the subject of separation or Christian separation. This is something that is definitely slipping. This is a subject that is slipping or it's, if it is being taught, it's being changed into something that is anything but separation. And we do not want to forget this. And this shouldn't even be considered a Baptist thing. Even though Baptists are about the only ones left, it seems like preaching on this, um, this should be just a Christian thing. But unfortunately, we're getting away from that. And I want you to notice what it says in verse 14. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God... As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, when you read this passage, does it not appear to you that this is a command for us to be separate? It sure does look like a command for us to be separate. If Paul is writing this command from the Lord for us as believers to be separate, is it possible that we could disobey that command? I think it's pretty safe to assume that. I don't think I'm doing anything weird with the text. But here's what's going on today. In those, uh, in these circles that are attacking this doctrine of separation, what they typically will do is they will go to scriptures that talks about how God has separated us on salvation. And folks, without a doubt, when you got saved, a separation immediately took place. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And you know what? Nothing can separate you from that separation that Jesus did for you at your salvation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's no doubt about that. And so they'll go to passages like that as kind of a distraction. To just make it like if you're saved, you're automatically separated. But no, there is also a separation that God wants saved people to do themselves. And what they'll try to do is they'll try to act like legalism. You know, you're not giving Jesus full credit. Listen, I am giving Jesus 100% credit for all my salvation. But I believe when he saved me, he called me to do some things. And I believe I can obey or disobey. And one of the things I've been called to do is separate myself. I believe when you got saved, He sanctified you. And He purified you. And He made you a a son of God. But He has also called us 
to sanctify ourselves or separate ourselves. We have been called to do these things and it is possible for us to disobey. And understand, a saved person who does not separate themselves, thank God, will still go to heaven because they've been separated by Christ. But you're not going to be in obedience. You're not going to have the same rewards that you would have. There are two different, these are two separate things. They try to make them one. A lot of times it's because they do in, in reality believe a work salvation. Uh, but at the same time too, no, without a doubt, there's two different things here. And so I want to talk about some areas where we need to be separate. And again, because what does it mean to, to separate yourselves? Okay, and remember in the Old Testament when they would have the Nazarite vow. Remember that? When, a man, when they would make that Nazarite vow, what that was them doing, that was them separating themselves. That was, a, that was a way that they had to kind of separate themselves. And all the things that they were called to separate themselves from during that time were things that were not necessarily sins. You know, for example, eating grapes. That's not a sin, but during this time uh, where they would separate themselves to God, God had some different things to do for different ceremonial purposes. But ultimately, what, what a person is doing when they separate themselves, it's very similar, you could say, to what an athlete often does or an Olympian does okay? it, to become an Olympian. If you, you do not just decide, I'm going to be an Olympian. Y'all understand that? Yeah, but I want it really bad. doesn't matter. If you are going to be an Olympian, you are going to have to separate yourself. You know what that means? You are not going to get to live like normal people live, especially in America. You're not going to get to eat like normal people eat. You're not going to be able to have the same routines. And if you do, if you listen to the stories of these Olympians, their entire life is dedicated to gymnastics. Sometimes just like a single event. To me... That just doesn't seem rewarding enough. I mean, really, one gold medal? And I, and I guess if you're famous, you know, you can get some endorsements from different things and make some money. But those people, literally, everything in their life they do, it is centered around winning that gold medal. I mean, you want to talk about separation? They take separation to win a gold medal. They take separation to win that corruptible crown farther than Christians take to get that incorruptible crown. They take it, they take it way farther than that. And here's the thing too about the separation God has called us to. God hasn't even called us to be that separate. God has not called us to, you know, be, you know, to like change our diet. There's a lot of things that we are allowed to do that normal people do. But for example, uh, you know, so when it comes to separation, ultimately we're, we're, we're going to go over what these things are. It doesn't mean we're just, Completely different. Because did you know there's lots of things that our world is into that it's okay for us to be into? For example, marriage, family. You know, it's okay for you to have a career. It's okay for you to have hobbies and interests. And it's okay for you to enjoy things. But at the same time too, God does want us prioritizing Him in all things. And so part of me prioritizing God is being a good husband, being a good father, you know, being a good neighbor, it doesn't mean we just never get to do anything fun. Do you all understand that? In reality, separation is us just sometimes not getting to do some things that our flesh considers fun. <laughs> but uh, that usually gets us out of trouble too. 
And so, I, I want to talk about some things where we're supposed to be separate tonight. But one, as Christians, as Christians, if you are saved, that says something about you. That identifies you in a certain way. Even as an American, we ought to be separate in some ways. For example, you know, I sh- you shouldn't catch me out there, you know, saying the pledge of the Chinese flag and singing the Chinese national anthem and stuff like that. Say, like, hey, you're an American. You know, I, I I don't need to do that. Or the Russian. Where's Jason at? You know, it's just, you know it, it's it's like, hey, that's not who you are. Okay? But if you're and when you're a Christian, there are things that God expects that He has called us to do. And we have a choice in this. In one area, we are to be separate. We are to be set separate in our worship. We are to be separate in our worship. And look at what it says in Exodus chapter 20. When we go to Exodus chapter 20, this is in the Ten Commandments. We're going to look at some of the first commandments. It says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Guess what? As Christians, we have one God, don't we? And you know what? He is before all gods. He is our only God. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto the thousand and that love me and keep my commandments. Now, wait, why did, God, why did God bring this up here? Why did God say not to make any graven images? You know why? Because all the other nations made graven images. That is how all the other nations have worshipped, and it's still that way today. Not most religions, okay? The old, about the only religions that don't have idolatry, and even those ones often do, are what they would consider the Abrahamic religions. Islam, they're against idolatry. Okay, they got one thing right. Great. You know, uh, Judaism is supposed to be against idolatry, but they really push it in some areas, for sure. And Christians. Now, you know, if you count Catholics, that's the biggest joke in the world because they're as idolatrous as you can get. But true Christianity does not bow down to idols. They do not worship idols. That is what the heathen did. That is what the pagans did. Christians are not to bow down to idols. And God told them when God brought them out of Egypt, a land that, guess what? They served idols in that land. That was how they worshiped. That's how they practiced. God told Israel, you don't do that. And understand too, idolatry was kind of in their history. Abraham was from an idolatrous people. And even when uh, Jacob left uh, Laban, what did his wife, his wife had stolen idols out of her father's house. What in the world's going on there? They shouldn't be having idols in there. And then when, uh, so, you know, it was something that they dealt with and, and Israel brought idolatry in all the time. You say, why was idolatry such a big problem? Because it was the problem in the culture surrounding them. And God wanted them to be separate from that. And idolatry was huge. And so, in America today, idolatry is still very common. It, it is. There's a lot of idolatry still in, the, in this uh, in our country. But understand, God wants our worship to be different. And when our worship looks like the heathen, the pagans, when we look like the world in our worship, when we practice the same things, we shouldn't have the same music in our church that they have in the nightclubs. We shouldn't have the same clothing that they have when they're out partying and all that stuff. We should. Ha- there should be a difference 
in our worship. We've got too many churches that are trying to figure out how can we make the world more comfortable? When the reality is we're supposed to be making the Holy Spirit comfortable, we shouldn't be grieving the Holy Spirit. And you know what? If our worship, if it bothers some carnal people, that's not our goal. That's not our desire. But our goal should be to please the Holy Ghost in everything we do in our services. And so that's why we're not going to bring in the contemporary music. We're not going to bring in, we're not going to make our church look more like a nightclub to make people feel a little more comfortable. We're not going to do that. We are to be separate in our worship. God doesn't want us being like the world. Remember what Jesus said too about your prayers. Don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. He would specifically point out, this is what the heathen are doing and I don't want you doing that. I've called you to be separate. And understand, heathen do the things that heathen do because they follow the flesh. God wants us following the Spirit. That's why there's so many things in common. And, you know, in the world, the ecumenical world, they love all those things we have in common. Let's focus on these things that bring us together. No, because that's called the flesh. We're supposed to focus on the Spirit. And He has called us to be separate. He has called us to be different. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17 says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean or that's uh that's what we read before. No, uh verse nineteen. I was in Second Corinthians. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So folks, our body belongs to God. So even if our flesh desires something and enjoys something that is forbidden by God, we should not do that. We should not use it in that way because it belongs to God. If I let you borrow my car, you shouldn't do something with my car that I wouldn't want you doing with my car. And if we understand we have been bought with a price and our body belongs to God, we should not be doing things that God has told us not to do with our body. We are to be separate. We belong to Him. We need to act like it. Did you know that married ladies ought to act different than single ladies? You know why? Because married ladies, you belong to a husband. And married men ought... You know, I, I don't mind seeing you know, single guys pursue single ladies. I mean, that's just kind of what you're supposed to do. You see a pretty girl... You ought to be going and trying to see if there's a connection and talking to her and all that kind of stuff. But after you get married, you're done with that. Once you get married, you, you know what you did when you got married? You separated yourselves from all other women. And so you might have had to have it before whenever a new girl came to church to go meet her, get her name, try to find, you know, see if there was a connection. After you get married, there's no reason to do that. Absolutely no reason that you don't need to see if you have a connection with that woman because you are separate. You have been separated to your wife and you need to act like it. You belong to her. She belongs to you. And you need to act that way. And understand, we belong to God and we need to act like it. And our worship ought to be worship that goes along with the Scriptures, that does not grieve the Holy Spirit. We belong to Him. We are also to be separate in our works. And listen, we are not saved by good works. We'll go ahead and turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 where it tells us that we are not saved by our works. That is very clear. Uh, we did not do any work that just caused God to look at us and be like, man, I'm saving you. 
you know, we, there's absolutely not. There, there's no way that's in the Bible. But yet it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And notice, God ordained. What was it that God ordained? That those of us who are saved walk in those good works. Versus what we see in verse 1, where it says, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Again, you want to know why the world has so much in common? Because they're made out of the same flesh. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. And there is a common course of the world. You've got the trendies today. They all of a sudden, they, they, act, they start playing dumb when you talk about being worldly. Like, oh, well, what does that even mean? And then, if a preacher gets up and he describes the way people are today, the way things are today, oh, show me that in the King James Bible. Uh, well, here's the thing. Worldliness manifests itself in different ways throughout different times. But here's the, at, at, the, at the end of the day, to sum it all up, if the world's all doing it, it's probably not good. You know why? Because they're dead in their trespasses and sins. And so when Christians are literally, you know, using music that those who are dead in their trespasses and sins love, when they are like on the number one charts, the best-selling songs and all that kind of stuff, and Christians are using that type of thing in their worship, I think, that, I think it's safe to say they're worldly. I can't show you what music beat is worldly. I can't show, you know, there's dancing in the Bible, there's good dancing in the Bible. But the dancing that people are bringing in churches today, it looks a little too much like dancing that you see out of the dance halls where people are drinking. It looks a little too much like that. It doesn't look like what I see in the Bible. And I'm not going to preach my message on dancing. I've covered that before uh, in the past. But at the same time, it looks a little too much like what our wicked world is doing. We've been called to be separate. We've been called not by... You know, and so we, got, we didn't get saved by our works but we've been saved unto good works. Now that we're saved, God has a plan for us, and that is to do some good works. There's also some things that we should not do. Ephesians chapter 5. And this is when they want to start calling you a legalist. Okay? And that's absolutely ridiculous. And again, they call us legalists because they can't find a word in the Bible to nail us with. So they got to come up with another word. And then, they can, and then again, you come up with your own word, you can attach whatever you want to it. And they have. They've expanded the term legalism and what it means. Because real legalism, work salvation, okay, that does not fit any Baptist. It doesn't. So they've expanded the meaning of that. And that's just anyone who preaches any kind of rules, you know, even after you're saved, is a legalist. No, you know what? Find something in the Bible to nail me with. Find a Bible word to nail me with. They can't do it. So he says in Ephesians 5.1, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now watch this. But fornication. Hey, why does God bring that up? You want to you know what a universal problem is in our world? Fornication. You know why? It's just 
That is what people who are dead in their trespasses and sins do. That is a work of the flesh. God does not want us doing that. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as become as saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. God even cares about how we talk. Why do people tell dirty jokes? You know why? Because they're dead in their trespasses and sins. So yeah, but I'm saved and I still think some of them are funny. Yet that's your flesh. Your flesh is like that. And you know what? You need to understand, I have been saved. I need to separate myself from that thing. And so when you hear him start telling the dirty jokes, you know what you need to do? You need to walk away. You need to get away from that. I just listened to a clip this week. There's a, there's a preacher. I'm not going to name him because I don't know the full story. But he, he another one of these preachers got busted for being a pervert. Like I said, I, I, I hope it's not true. Uh, but it's not looking good. He got arrested. But I will say this, this is what I will say for sure was wrong. I heard a clip of him preaching and he was talking about when you get saved, okay, it's like before you get saved, you're 100% carnal. After you get saved, he said you're you know, maybe 5% carnal is what he said, or 5% spiritual and 95% carnal. And then what you need to do is you need to grow. And hopefully as some times pass, you'll be, you know, 10% spiritual and only 90% carnal. And you know, and there's people out there, they've been saved for 20 years and they've not you know, gotten less carnal in the last 15 years. Here's what's stupid about what he's saying. First off, he's just dead wrong. Before you got saved, you were 100% carnal. After you got saved, your flesh was 100% carnal. And this, the new man was 100% spiritual. I have been saved for 30 some years and my flesh is 100% carnal and my new man is 100% spiritual and what and so again that was just bad teaching now that was, that was bad theology but what everybody has to learn to do is to remember to separate themselves and say you know what my flesh is going to be drawn to the things of the world but I have been called to be separate but here's the problem. We've got Christians today who have theology like that goofball. And then people are always feeling bad. What's wrong with me? I still like the things of the world. Hey, that's just, you have carnal flesh. Remember who you are. Remember you have been separated. And so, yes, you're going to continue desiring those things, but you have to deny yourself those things. You have to separate yourself from these things. Again, these Olympians, do you not think they would like a banana split? Do you not think that they would like a Coca-Cola? I'm sure they would enjoy some of those things, but they've separated themselves from those things because it will negatively affect their performance. And as Christians, we need to understand we are always going to be drawn to those things in our flesh, but we've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. And unfortunately, a lot of people, they just don't understand that. And But folks, all of these things the Bible's mentioning, we are prone to doing these things but we are to separate ourselves from them. And we are not a victim. I'm so tired of these former IFBers acting like they're victims because they weren't allowed to do what everybody else did. Um, that is called walking according to the course of the world. God quickened you. God saved you and God ordained that you not do those things anymore and that you start doing these good things. You're not a victim for obeying God. In fact, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
your life will be easier and better if you actually obey the Scriptures. But you know what I think the problem is with a lot of these people? I do think a lot of these people are, in fact, lost. And can you imagine trying to live like a Christian while you're lost? What a pointless endeavor that is. Because again, all those works aren't going to earn you two seconds in heaven. You're not going to get two seconds in heaven for all those skirts you wore, for all those movies you didn't watch, for all those places you didn't go. It won't earn you two seconds in heaven. So imagine doing that for decades lost. You know what? I'd need to recover from that too. But you know, if you're saved, God blesses you in those things. And a lot of us are happy in, in that. And we've missed out on a lot of heartache. We've missed out on a lot of trouble. Let's keep reading these things. It says, For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Don't partake with them. God's wrath is coming on them. And you know what? I'm tired of these former IFB types too talking about the liberty that they have now that they're doing you know, what the world does. And all of them want to talk about the therapist and their medications that they're on. You know what? You come tell me about your liberty when you're free from drugs. When you're free from psychologists and things. Then you come talk to me. No, they're still miserable. They're still miserable because the things of the flesh are going to make you happy. So he says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye children, or are ye light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. That sounds like a command right there. That sounds like a command. It sounds like there's a way that children of light walk, and there's a way children of darkness walk. Well, what is that way? What is our world doing? What is our world promoting? What are we seeing on television? How are they dressing? How are they acting? How are they talking? We are to be separate from that. And so we're not going to go along with every little thing. Again, there's some things that aren't necessarily sinful. You know, but it, you know, it, it's all about you know, these things, though, they reveal where our hearts are, where our eyes are, what we're watching. And we need to be careful. So we ought to be separate. We ought to be separate in our words. Colossians chapter 3. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. In verse 1, If ye be then risen with Christ... If ye did be risen with Christ, if you're saved, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. You have to set your affection there. You have to do that. Oh, I still like that old stuff. Yeah, your old man likes the old stuff. You need to start focusing on the new man and work on getting your desire to be towards heavenly things. It says, for you're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye walked sometime we lived in them. He's saying the same thing he said in Ephesians. He preaches in all the churches. But now... He put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. God does not want us doing the filthy communication. Oh, you need to define filthy communication for me. Just what? 
What does the world talk about? What, what does the world say when they get angry? You know, that's how, that, how, how do you learn what the bad words are? You know, just, just go work in a factory for a week and you'll, you'll figure them out real quick. They don't typically say pleasant things uh, when they're angry. They don't say, I mean, folks, I just, I, list, I just listened to a woman drop the F-bomb to like her five-year-old kid walking through Walmart loudly. Folks, people are such low-life trash. It was just disgusting. She was just this nasty, I will not give all the descriptions of her, but she was exactly the type of person you would picture dropping an F-bomb on her five-year-old kid in the middle of Walmart. It's just, what is, what is wrong with these people? You know, what they, we, and Christians shouldn't talk that way. Christians shouldn't say those things. Christians shouldn't be telling the dirty jokes. Christians shouldn't be lying to each other. We ought to be telling the truth. God does not want the filthy communication coming out of your mouth. So if you have it, I'm angry and I feel like saying that. I get that. But we have been called to separate ourselves. So our speech is going to be different. As you, you know, where, where you work, where you live, there is a way people talk. We should not talk that way. We have, we have separated ourselves. When I worked at Walmart in Spring Valley, I mean, I, I had a couple guys that they said it was, it was their goal to get me to cuss. And they never succeeded. <laughs> they never succeeded. And I, I remember one time, one of my coworkers came up to me and he just, and you know, he, he, I, I got along real well with this guy. And he, just, he was one of these guys, he was very bold, he was very blunt. He often offended people just because he just would say whatever came to his mind. And apparently there were people wanting to ask me about this. They were all afraid to ask me about it, but this guy wasn't. And he just came right up to me and he just he's like, Tommy, he said, have you ever cussed here at work? And I said, no. And he was just like, are you sure? I said, no. I said, I don't cuss. And, and, I, and I'm not bragging about that, folks. It's how I was raised. Okay. I don't, I don't think I, I, I don't, it's just, it's not in me. I had it. I, I was just how I was trained. There's just some things you're, you're never going to get me to stop being homophobic. It's just in, it's in my DNA. It is in my blood and, you, and you're not going to get me to cuss. It's just, it's not who I am. And so, uh, you know, I, I was raised with a hatred for perversion and for perverted talk. And so I just, uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, not everybody grew up that way. I understand the struggle that some people have, but um, he was like, he's like, yeah, I didn't think so. I was like, he was like, I was like, why are you asking that? He's like, he's like, well, there's a rumor going around that one day it was from like two years ago. It was because I was working in a different apartment then that you were in your trailer loading, uh, loading boxes. And somebody said they walked by two guys and they saw you throwing boxes and cussing. And I said, what? I said that. I said that never happened. I said that absolutely Never. He's like, yeah, I didn't think it happened. I said, who, I, I want to know who said it. I, I didn't, I want, and you, and you want to know who said it, interestingly enough. I don't remember who the other guy was, but the other one, I did know him, and he was, I knew him because he had family that went to our church. This guy was supposed to be a Christian, and he cussed all the time. It was like he knew it was wrong. It was a cussing Christian that wanted to accuse me of cussing. And it just, it just wasn't true. And that was the thing. Nobody really believed it. But it was one of those things nobody wanted to ask. Fine, this guy, I'll ask him. And, and he did. He believed me when I told him because he'd worked with me for a long time and he had never seen it. Why, and why don't you do that? I've, I've separated myself 
from those things. When I, when I was working there too, uh, I was explain, there was an incident with some people one time and I, and I had witnessed it. I saw what had taken place. I heard the conversation and I was telling the boss what had taken place and what had transpired and what was said. And my testimony was slightly different than everyone else's testimony in the sense that when I was quoting people, I was leaving out all the cuss words. And, and he noticed that. And I, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I just was leaving those words out. They weren't really relevant to the conversation. And I was leaving all that out. And he was just like, are you some kind of religion or something that doesn't cuss? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess you could say it that way. I said, I, I'm just Christian. <laughs> I thought it was just a Christian thing. But again, what is, I've, I've separated myself. I've separated myself. That is the way our world talks. They shouldn't hear. There's some things the world shouldn't hear from Christians. They shouldn't hear dirty jokes from Christians. They shouldn't hear profanity. They shouldn't hear lies. They shouldn't hear those things from Christians. We ought to have good words coming out of our mouth because, and as much as you feel like it sometimes. There, there's been times when I thought, you know what? I would love to tell some people some really nasty things. But you know what I've learned too? Typically, I mean, first off, cussing is so common that it has no punch anymore. You understand that? It really doesn't mean anything anymore. And there's actually way more impressive ways to tell people off. And here's the other thing, too. When I was in Walmart, one of the huge advantages to never cussing was the fact that Walmart back then, they don't really do this anymore, but back then they had a strict no profanity policy. And they followed it back then, too. And so anytime there was an argument or a conflict, all you had to do to win was just not raise your voice, not threaten, and not use profanity. And I, I was always able to just, you know, tell people off who need to be told off really good. And as long as you did it calmly and coolly and you didn't use any profanity, there was really no way for you to get in trouble. Because typically people can't tell somebody off without doing those things. You know why? Because they don't have a lot going on up there. They don't know how much of a vocabulary. But, you know, you'd be, imp- you'd be amazed. It is. It's a lot more effective to just lay out truth sometimes and tell people, uh, you know, the truth about things. And so just you just losing it and dropping F-bombs and things, it's not accomplishing anything. You're just making yourself look dumb. You're making yourself look vile. And it doesn't do anything. And so our words, the things we can say, you know, they're things that can grieve the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 4.25, Wherefore, putting away lying. The Holy Spirit that dwells in you does not enjoy lying. He's not going to appreciate that. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which are good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, some will try to say what they'll try to do, because corrupt communication out of your mouth is pretty obvious what it is. It's just referring to just vulgar, corrupt speaking. And what they'll try to do is they'll try to context something else that's been spoken of in this passage to make it not just filthy language. But the problem is, he's naming several things Christians aren't supposed to do. 
So this isn't all one subject. It's just given several things Christians shouldn't do. And it's all very common things that, you know, lost people do. And one of those things is corrupt communication. And it is, in fact, just referring to filthy talking and things. And he said not to do it. Why? Because, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So God wants us using not corrupt communication, but communication that administers grace to the hearers. So we need to be careful about how we speak and we've got to separate ourselves. So there's just some things we are not going to be able to do. And again, you are going to have times when you feel like cussing someone out. But you know what? You have to realize, I've separated myself. I don't get to do this. You know what that means too? There's certain sign language that we don't get to give other people when we're driving, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not going to demonstrate. I don't think y'all are so stupid that i got to show you and, and make it clear what it is. I, you you want to know what it is? Go look at any vile, filthy, animal lost person out there and what do they do when they get mad? Everybody knows what that is. We should not do that. I've seen, and I've seen, I have observed, and even recently, I've observed, uh, you know, some kid that, a Christian kid, that grew up in church, posting a picture of him. That ticked me off. Hey, when I see Christians doing vulgar stuff like that, it ticks me Show me in the Bible where we can't put our hand in that shape. Are you kidding me? So you're, you, everybody knows how wrong that stuff is. It's absolutely disgusting. We have been called to be separate. You are not separate. You are not separate. So you're going to have to figure out something else. Just, I don't know, just do something like that. You know, when somebody cuts you off, right? They won't know, they won't know what to do with that. Everybody does the other thing. You know, come up, come up with something creative, at least. Do something that confuses them. So they, they won't know what that means. Just like... That'll freak them out. What did that even mean? What does that mean? I have no idea. But you know what? Somebody cuts you off and you do that to them, you'll probably freak them out pretty good. Did they just cast a spell on me or something? <laughs> you know, at least get creative. You know, you flip them off or something, they're just going to do it right back to you. And what did you both prove? You proved, you both proved you're Neanderthals is what you did. You, you proved, you both, you proved that you're both perverts. That's all you accomplished when you did that. So we've got to be separate in these things. We need to be separate in our wardrobe. This is where the Baptists always get in trouble when they talk about this. Listen, if we claim... Well, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let me read this first. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I want to quickly hit this. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but that which becometh women professing godliness... With good works. So what? So notice that. But which becometh women professing godliness. If you profess to be godly. If you profess to be a Christian. If you profess to be a child of God. You ought to look like it. What does that look like? Does it look like the women in Hollywood? Does it look like the women in the magazines? Does it look like the influencers like we were talking about on Instagram and things? Who, what does that look like? You know what? There is. There is a vast difference between godly women 
who have been faithfully married for years and who have raised good children, there is a vast difference between the way they dress and the feminist dress. There is a huge difference between that. You can tell. You go find me, the lady who has been faithfully serving the Lord, faithful to her husband, who has faithfully raised children, and go look and see how she dresses, see how she conducts herself, see how she does her hair. You follow her example. But you know what? We don't have people following examples like them. We have them following the Ellen Degenerates. We have them following the, I don't know who are the big actresses, the Taylor Swifts, the you know people like that. These are not people we ought to be following. No, we ought, women ought to dress in a way that becomes women professing godliness. And so, uh, you know, and do I need to preach a whole message, giving demonstrations and all that kind of stuff? You know, again, basically to sum it all up, women should look like women. Men should look like men. There should be, ladies, you should not dress in a sensual way. You should be modest in your apparel. We see that calling on women. We're not to, we're not to be sensual in, in our clothing. And don't even try to tell me the women of our world today are not dressing in a sensual way. You are never going to convince me that women wearing pants as tight as they wear their pants today is convenient for any reason. You know what? What was the you know what was the original excuse for women wearing pants? Right? You know because they started working in factories and they started doing all these things. It'd be hard to do all that stuff in a skirt. Okay, I get that. First off, they didn't need to be doing that. But at the same time, too, if you're going to ask them to do a man's job, I can see why they need to dress like a man. But I've never seen a man who was actually manly who wanted to go out doing work in skin-tight jeans. So why are women doing that? It's obvious. Okay? It's obvious why they do that kind of thing. Hey, ladies, if you're saved, you've been called to separate yourselves from that. So you know what? You don't need to be dressed in a way to go put on a show for every man that's out there. That is not what we've been called to do. You've been, prevent, you, you've been commanded to wear modest apparel. Our clothing, it makes a statement of who we are. Proverbs 7.10, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot. How can you say that you know, an item of clothing identifies? It does. There, there is a way to spot the harlots. We were talking about New Orleans earlier. When my wife and I were in New Orleans last time, we drove by one spot right in broad daylight. Women with the attire of an harlot. And I'm not going to get descriptive in the pulpit of what they were wearing, but all we had to do was see them and we knew exactly what they were. I talked about it not too long ago when I went to, to the airport. I had to go to the airport super early in the morning. Like four o'clock in the morning, I see a woman out walking the street in a dangerous area dressed in a really immodest way. And I'm thinking, man, this is really dangerous for her to be in an area like this dressed that way. But then I saw a few more and I realized what was going on. I realized what they were. How did I know that? Again, there's a way they dress. Godly women aren't walking the streets out like that at 4 o'clock in the morning. Godly women are too tired from being a wife and raising children. They're not going to be out doing that kind of thing. Uh, maybe they're on their way to work. They were on their way to work, but not a respectable occupation. Not, not at all. And their clothing identified them. I heard a story one time. I don't know if it's just one of these preacher stories or a true story about a pastor's wife one night that walked out. It was late at night, but she just walked to the store to go pick something up. And she got picked up by the police because they thought she was a streetwalker. 
because of how she was dressed. I don't know if that's a true story or not. That was I heard it from a preacher, so it has to be true, right? No, I don't know. But you know what surprised me? The way I've seen some dress. I was at I worked at a camp one year, and there was a woman standing there. She was standing, leaning up against the chapel building. I mean, dressed in a terrible way. I mean, she was so loaded up with makeup and the lipstick and everything. And I remember I saw her, and this is a conservative Christian camp. But then I was like, you know what? It's probably one of the moms of one of the kids, you know, getting dropped off at camp or something like that, you know. And so a lot of times churches, they try to get, you know, kids who come on their bus routes and have difficult homes, you know, to come. And so I just figured it was, you know, just a parent of one of the kids probably lost. And I'm talking to a guy there at the camp. Uh, his son was staying in my cabin. And I'm talking to the dad and I asked what church he goes to. And he's like, yeah, we go to such and such church. And I was like, oh, okay. And, he, and I asked who the pastor was. And he named the pastor. I don't remember the name of the pastor. But he's like, that's our pastor's wife right there. And I was like, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? And you know what? My wife knew, knew that lady. And you know what? She got divorced not long after that too. And I'm only going to guess why. But you know that, that marriage didn't make it. There was something very wrong with that woman. And, it, and she identified herself with her clothing. I mean, without a doubt, she was advertising at a Christian camp. The way, the way she was dressing. And that's wrong. Our, te- our clothing is a testimony to others. I'm not going to take time. First Kings. Remember when, uh, when the uh, Queen of Sheba, when she came and she saw Solomon and his kingdom and his servants, one of the things that she commented on was their apparel. The way they were dressed. It said something to her. It meant something to her. And as Christians, we have, we're not supposed to be trying to blend in with this world. That's not what that not, that's not what God wants. It's not what we've been called to do. We ought to be separate in our wardrobe. And I'm I'm skipping a lot of the scriptures I have on that. We ought to be. And lastly, real quick, we ought to be separate in our walk. And so, what does that mean? Again, our walk. That is our. Uh, that's our our lifestyle. That is our our motivations, our goals. Obviously, again. We, as Christians, we are allowed, we have even been called to do some of the things that our world does. To be husbands, fathers, you know, we have families, we work jobs, we have occupations. But at the end of the day, our ultimate goal is pleasing God. And when it comes to those worldly things that we do that aren't sinful, like having families, being a husband, we put God first in all those things. Okay? We have marriages, our world has marriages. We have children, our, our world has children. But, because I'm separate, I'm going to have my marriage the way God said. Meaning the husband's ahead of the home and wives submit to the husbands. Where the world says, you both have equal say. Well, that's what the world does. We're separate, we do it the way God says. You know, our world has children, but our world says, you know, use psychology and timeouts and all these other things, you know, where, you know, the Bible says, you know, give them a good old fashioned spanking, right? And, you know, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna follow those things. We're going to do the things that God said. Why? Because we are separated. And so we're not going along with all the worldly wisdom that, by the way, is failing miserably. I mean, just absolutely failing. We're going to do what God said to do. And, and far more important than our separation on the outside is our separation on the inside. And look what it says in 1 Peter 3. Talking about women's apparel again, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of the hair and of wearing of the gold or the putting on of apparel, 
but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Notice what he's saying right here, that what's, what's really important is that, that hidden man that, that, that of the heart. It's how we are in our hearts. And let me tell you something. A lot of people have figured out how to dress like a Baptist, how to talk like a Baptist, how to act like a Baptist. But let me tell you, it is not who they are on the inside. And you know what? As soon as those people get mad at the Baptist, they get mad at the church that they're in, you know what they do? They leave and they shed every bit of that stuff. And I do. I find that revolting and disappointing and sad when as soon as people leave a Baptist church, all of a sudden, the dress immediately changes, the talk immediately... It's like, did, did you ever believe this? You know what? If people are going to leave our church who acted one way while they're here, I wish they would just have the decency to write out a confession that I was being a fake the whole time. I wish they would say that. But you know what? They don't do that. You know what they do? They just say, I was in a cult. You know, I was being forced into these... Nobody's forced you to do anything. We, have we done a clothing check at anybody's house? Have we told anybody what to do in these things? We've never done any of that. But yet people will walk away and they'll act like that. No, some of us just actually believe this. And, and so, uh, at the end of the day, if these things aren't in your heart, it's not going to stay on the outside. It needs to be in the heart. And a true walk with God is what God wants the most. God wants, uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. The things that Enoch did, he did because he had a walk with God. The things that a lot of Baptists are doing are because they're trying to have a good relationship with other Baptists. And I'm telling you, that's not a good enough motivation. If what you should be doing is what God wants you to do, hopefully you're doing the things you do because you're walking with God. And you get along with us because we are in agreement with God. Because the truth is too, you know, if we're sinful. You can get mad at us for something and walk away from us. But if, you, if the things you are doing because you are walking with God, you will keep doing those things. Anybody who leaves this church and is not soul winning anymore, it was because they were only walking with us. That was why they were soul winning. If they were walking with God and soul winning and they got out of sorts with us, you know what they would still be doing? They would still be going soul winning. Because it is, it's possible to get out of sorts with the church and continue being right with God. And, and too many Baptists have just had a very shallow surface separation and it was never a real thing based on a walk with God. And that's what everyone should shoot for in their Christian life. And so if you're not fully convinced, hey, Pastor, I don't think I need to be as crazy as you. Then don't be as crazy as me. Do what God wants you to do. Because if you just do what I do, as soon as you get mad at me, you're going to dump all that stuff. And those things that you're doing out of obligation is just going to cause you to resent me. That's not going to help me out. No, you get close to God and you do what God leads you to do. And if God leads you to be as crazy as me, then you'll be doing it because of your walk with God. And then, if me and you ever get out of sorts, you'll keep doing those things. So, uh, with that, though, 
There's so much more we could say on that, but we'll shut it down there. But let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for this subject and I pray You'll help us to put it to practice in our life. I pray everyone in here will take the time to think about these things, ponder them, and ask You uh, what You want from them, what they could change, what they could add to their life, what they could remove. And I pray You'll help us to be diligent in these things and I pray it will be something that we do to please You and not our Baptist brethren. In Your name we pray. Amen.